0: Two it's time for cover two. I'm so excited about this one. We got a lot of cool topics to be able to go through. And of course, I got my guy Warren here, episode two of 49ers cover two. Uh, I'm excited about it.
1: I'm definitely excited, man. Fresh off the Minnesota game, I uh, can't wait to uh, unravel what, what we've seen.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, there's a lot of things that are happening with that. Of course, we have some transactions that happened this week as well. We're going to get through the transactions then we'll go ahead and get you know to the news that came out from that game and then okay. of course preview a little bit of the Houston Texans game which is going to be fun and if you haven't already take the opportunity to like subscribe hit the notification bell really appreciate it. it goes a long way in helping the channel as we continue our our growth it's been a lot of fun <laughs> and uh one thing that's going to help the 49ers a little bit is they signed a safety to Sean Gibson. I want to know what your feelings were last week. We talked about Jimmy Ward mm-hmm. and the effects of his injury. What do you think to Sean Gibson adds? Is this a potential 53 man roster spot or is this a guy that's coming in to help them get through the remainder of the preseason?
1: It's going to be interesting to see, like, what what was his need for. Obviously, yeah. it kind of worries me a little bit. Um, when we go out and sign a safety, that kind of tells us that maybe Jimmy Ward's not going to be ready for week one. Okay. So, that right away, that's, that's the first thing that came to mind. I'm like, okay, so now we got to really start worrying about Jimmy Ward's health. Because last week, um, I was kind of on the fence about it. I didn't know if it was just load management or it was he's really dealing with a serious injury. Um, and that's why I kind of threw it back to you because I didn't he know did, how he yeah. was really looking in camp. So um, with, with the signing of him, I'm definitely worried. Um, but I didn't really know too much about him. You know, when I seen when I seen that we picked him up, I was like, man, let me let me turn on the tape and let me see what I what, yeah. what I can see from this guy. So um, I turned on the tape. I watched his film. Um, a couple things I do like about him is I love how he plays the center field. Um, the guy is it seems like he has a knack for the ball. Anytime the ball is in the air, he attacks it. Uh, he seems like he's a turnover machine. Um, he just plays center of the field like uh, like like you want your safety to, and he reads the quarterback's eyes perfectly. So that's some of the things I've seen from him on film. Um, hopefully, that's the player that we're going to get. But I don't know, man. It's going to be interesting to see if, if he is going to make the fifty three, or it's just somebody that's going to a body for preseason.
0: Yeah, you know, and and I think you bring up some good points. Uh, Gibson, at thirty-two years old, is kind of you know at the end of that stage of when you normally are able to play in the NFL. He's had a lot of really good years, you know, and played for some some teams where he made a lot of, a huge impact. And I think that you know overall he's a really good player. Now, when we're talking about what he's going to be able to do, I think it is a little bit of getting through preseason because. When I was watching the game last week, I noticed that we got into the fourth quarter and Tarverius Moore was still out there playing safety. And I started thinking right away, like, wait a second. If Tarverius Moore is slated to start week one, like you bring up Jimmy Ward, potentially not playing, I don't want Tarverius Moore playing into the fourth quarter in the last preseason game because I don't want him hurt. I want him healthy for Chicago. And I don't really want George Odom logging that many snaps either just in case he's needed. So we do know the starters are going to be playing some in this game. But I do think that they brought in Gibson. Of course, they want to get film on him. I'm sure he wants to get film out there to the NFL to prove Absolutely. he can still do it. But you want to you want to make sure Tavares more George Odom, and Talon Hufanga make it to week one against Chicago. <laughs> right. So I think that's part of what goes into it as well because you know you have to carry Jimmy Ward at least into the season. And if you want him to be able to play after week one or two, you can't put him on the IR. You can't put him on one of those lists because if you do, he's not able to come back for a while. Right. You've got to carry him, which means I don't really think there's a spot for Tayshawn Gibson on this roster. It could always change if he comes out there and lights it up. But I think this is very similar to Haha Clinton Dix last year, them bringing him in late and then kind of, you know, moving on from him at the end of preseason.
1: Right, right. I mean, this is just the nature of the NFL. I mean, you almost bring him in like, look, you know, we're going to we're going to play you. We need extra body. Scratch our back. We're going to scratch yours. You're going to get some value, valuable film that you need to sit across the league. So um I definitely I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be somebody that's going to make the the 53 man roster. Um it's just a body that we desperately need to get through these games. Yeah. So um and we can't we can't afford no no more injuries that safety. No. That's that's the main thing. We can't yeah. we can't we can't afford nobody else to get hurt. So I mean he's definitely going to play a vital vital role to get to the regular season for us.
0: Yeah. So second injuries at a position that really get at you, you know. Right. Uh you can the Niners have enough depth to get past one, right? right? When you had Armstead out in the interior defensive line, you can get through that because you have Kevin Givens. But if you lost Armstead and Givens, that's when you start getting really deep, and that's when you struggle. The safety position would be the same way. Yeah. All of a sudden, you're rolling out, you know, a guy that you don't really feel comfortable with in week one or two. That could definitely do some damage. So, uh, getting a guy in there, I was surprised it was Gibson and not Tavon Wilson because Wilson had so much comfort playing in the Niners system last year. My guess would be that. You know, Wilson doesn't really want to be on the practice squad of the 49ers, but Gibson might be willing to if if things played out. So I think the conversations between John Lynch, the front office, and his agent really have something worked out there. But there was also cuts <clears throat> yesterday, Warren, because the 49ers cut from 85 to 80. Now, it wasn't actually five guys that get cut because Jason Verrett ends up going on the pup list, which right. means he can't return in until after week four. Uh, That doesn't surprise anyone after Kyle Shanahan's recent comments. And then also, Kalia Davis, defensive tackle, the the rookie that was a six-round pick, ends up going on NFI, which is non-football injury because he got hurt preparing for the NFL draft. So those two made it so the Niners only had to cut three guys, and they cut three in undrafted free agent linebacker Jeremiah Gemmel. I thought he had a good game, but it was either going to be him or Saguna Luby. It ends up being Gemmel. Then Tanner Hudson, Uh, was released a veteran with enough accrued seasons that he can't be claimed so he's going to be out there on the open market that one surprised me I'm sure that surprised you I can't wait to hear your comments on that and then offensive tackle Sam Sluder who got injured last in last week's game was day-to-day but it was going to be his time anyways I'd actually predicted for him to go ahead and get waived so what stood out to you about these releases what do you think about Jason Verrett Uh, just kind of let me know what you're thinking about these 49ers cuts from 85 to 80.
1: Tanner Hudson, I mean that one surprised me quite a bit. Yeah. Um because I I did get to see him play against Minnesota and he looked good to me. He looked yeah. good out he looked good out there to me. He did I believe he had a vital drop on one of the posi- uh, possessions out there. I forget who was that quarterback.
0: Yeah, he did have a bad um, drop on a third down that would have, you know, converted. Right. Uh, so you're right. That was that was a big one.
1: Right, right. And it makes you wonder like if it came down to just that one drop, that that's the reason why he was cut. But to me that that was the most surprising out of the out of the 3 that I seen that were actually waived or cut. Um cuz I thought he was he was more he was in the heat of the battle yeah. in the tight end room. You know like he was in there he was battling with Warner, um battling with uh Dwelly to see who was going to make the 53 man roster. So to see him this morning when I see Tanner Hudson cut, I was like I'm I'm surprised about that one. Um Jason Verrett, I actually want to ask you about that yeah. one. I mean we haven't really seen him since Detroit of last year. Um, was he out there at camp?
0: Yeah, so he's been doing work on the side right. fields. He's been working out before practices, after practices. I've seen him run. He's running full speed. Okay. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's comments on Jason Vrett have been that they just want to make sure he gets his legs underneath him. That's something they've been worried about. Even uh, brought up 2019, because we all remember the Pittsburgh game when you realize, oh, no, Jason Verrett's probably not got it anymore. Because <laughs> right. he got absolutely smoked. But then they brought him back for 2020 to look completely different Absolutely. because he was further away from that injury. I think they're trying to make sure they give him as much time to get his legs underneath him so that way he can go out there and be the best Jason Barrett. Because I think Kyle Shannon's comments were, we don't care if it's four games. that it right there, let everyone know. It's probably going to be pup list. Uh, we don't care <laughs> if it's four games, eight games, into the season. We just want him. And what they want is that eventual goal of having him, Emmanuel Mosley, and Charveris Ward on the field at the same time. Which, if it comes during the playoffs, it comes at the end of the season, it comes four games of the year, whatever it is, is absolutely uh, lights out. Yeah. I think that's what they're working for. Working for. Not to mention, by then, Sam Womack is probably going to have his legs underneath him. Oh, yeah. He's going to be comfortable. When <clears throat> you get into dime sets and you're able to put those four guys out there with Jimmy Ward, <laughs> It's going to be it's going to be really fun. And you know, keeping Jason is important because if he can benefit you when you get to the end of the season and that stretch run. You might be able to lock some people down when it gets playoff time when you're able to be pulley and grabby and all that stuff. Plus a lot of people sleep on his ability to tackle. He's a really good tackler and a really good in run fits, which fits the nickel position.
1: Yeah. I mean, if Jason, if you could get Jason Verrett back to what he was a year, what, two years ago. Yeah. I mean, who wouldn't want that? I mean, some his footwork to me, I haven't seen a lot of DBs with the footwork that this man possesses. You're right. Like his footwork is ridiculous. Like, I remember when he was playing against uh, the Rams a couple years ago, and uh, he was covering—I um, believe it was Robert Woods in the slot. Yeah, and how he blanketed that man, like just out of his back pedal, is just absolutely ridiculous. Like, what team in the league doesn't want it? I mean, because we all know the NFL now today is it's a passing league. Yeah. So you need you need talent on the back end. You need you need good corners. And Jason Verrett. we see what he could be when he's healthy. And so if we could get that back. You know, like like Shanahan said, week 8, week 12, no matter what. And you can line up, you know, Ward, Manuel Mosley, Verrett, and Womack. Like, that's special. That's nasty.
0: It really is, you know. And uh, <clears throat> Verrett's always going to be one of my favorites. Number one, I, I've i been a fan of him since I see, I actually seen him play uh, Pop Warner football. So, I've been <laughs> a fan of my coach against oh, him. He yeah, was fantastic. Uh, but I've, I've been a fan of him for a long time. And then he goes to the Chargers. And he was getting ready to be an all-pro, a perennial Mm -hmm. all-pro caliber player. I mean, he deserved to be a first-round pick. And then it's just been injury after injury after injury. And I thought after 2020, he had finally figured it out. He was going to get healthy. It was going to be like Jimmy Ward, right? Right. Ward had finally figured it out. We're finally going to see that Pro Bowl caliber Jason Brett. And unfortunately, you know, Detroit happened. And I felt so bad for him. So I want him to get back so bad. And I want him to be a pivotal piece in why the 49ers end up Having a long run in the playoffs and a stretch, maybe where they get to the Super Bowl. I think he can, because I think having this core group of secondary players together can actually take this defense to that number one uh, overall defense. Verette could be a big part of that. Just listening to the way the coaches talk about him. Uh, they just ha- they glow. And the fact that he helps so many guys out, he's you know in the ear of of uh Traverius Ward Mooney, he's in the ear of other guys, he's just helping them. He's you're right. His footwork is, is top notch. Phenomenal. Yeah. he He's absolutely fantastic. So <laughs> getting Jason Brett back at some point is going to be important for the 49ers. So we know he's not going to help, you know, weeks one through four, right? but that's okay. Because if he comes back and the Niners are in the middle of this playoff hunt, I think they know they can count on him to go ahead and take care of business. Right.
1: And most importantly, I'm rooting for him because the guy deserves a payday. He does. A major payday. And it just sucks for him because unfortunately he keeps getting hurt. Yep. You know, so I'm rooting for him to stay healthy put together another season like he did a couple years ago and get this man, his payday that he deserves.
0: Yeah. What's scary, right? Is in 2021 uh, off season, he turned down the lucrative multi-year yeah. deal to stay with the 49ers and to bet on himself. Uh, and then he came close to retiring this year. The poor guy almost. I didn't it, know that. Yeah. He thought about it. He was <laughs> in the process of, you know, between coming back to the Niners and retiring. So I'm hoping it works out. And I am hoping a payday is there for him. Absolutely. Uh, and, a, and a ring as well. So, I thought overall those weren't shocking. The one thing I was going to say about Hudson, though, and the reason he was probably released, um, I think that they decided he wasn't going to make this roster, and as a veteran, they wanted to see him be able to land somewhere. But also, instead of carrying him all the way, they don't have an extra fullback. So once Kyle Ushek comes out, you have Ross Dwelly and Troy Fumagalli to play fullback. If you want Fumagalli out there for fullback, you can't cut him. So Hudson ends up being that guy. Just something to think about when you're thinking about how they have to make sure they get through these preseason games. It doesn't mean Hudson wasn't better than Fumagalli. He just wasn't needed as much as Fumagalli for this game.
1: That's a, that's a good observation. Which
0: is, uh, it, it always is frustrating. But
1: <laughs> it is, it hopefully is.
0: Tanner Hudson lands somewhere. Yeah. Next up, we get to the Vikings game. Because there was a lot of cool storylines that came out of that game. We didn't see the starters, but we saw guys all throughout the depth chart that were you know living up <clears> to potential <throat> and playing well. I want to ask you... After watching that Vikings game, what stood out to you uh from the 49ers? It could be anyone, offense, defense. Just what stood out to you overall?
1: I think the obvious answer for everybody is Jordan Mason. Yeah. Um, I mean, I could I could go on and on about how he played. Like he was finishing runs, he was explosive. I mean, he looks like a running back you'd want in Shanahan's offense. Um, I'm gonna go a little bit different. I don't I don't want it cause it, like I say, it's the obvious. Yeah. Um, the couple guys that really flashed to me was, uh, Jordan Willis. Man, he was so disruptive. Like I love, I love watching Jordan, Jordan Willis and what he put on the show. He put on, yeah. it was, it was absolutely amazing he, to me. He put on a show. Um, and Drake Jackson, Drake Jackson, like he was disrupt- as, as disruptive as Jordan Willis, Yeah, you know, and both of them to me, I was just like, man, like with, with Drake Jackson, I'm like, we got to steal in the second round. I mean, like, when you pair this man up, you know, with both with on the other side, like, it's going to be, as minor fans, man, it's going to be, I'm going to love it. I'm going to love watching it. <laughs> I'm going to love, I'm, so, I'm getting so excited about it, because just watching him in preseason, you're just like, dude, this guy's real deal.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Drake Jackson has a tremendous amount of athletic ability, right. and it's on display every <clears throat> single time he rushes the passer. I think that there are still some technique things that he's working on. Of course, we see Daryl Tapp you know, getting after him all the time, uh, and I think that Kacarek does the same thing. now. With Jackson, I think that there's going to be flashes all year. Oh, I think yeah. there's going to be moments he goes <clears> in there and he does something special, and you're like, oh my gosh, uh, next year, Drake Jackson's going to be
1: unbelievable. Oh my God.
0: I think the only thing that I want to kind of take tell everyone to pause on is we're getting some of the conversation of Drake Jackson starting.
1: <laughs> I don't think Drake
0: Jackson's ready for that. I don't think he's going to be able to set the edge <laughs> against the run. Uh, we saw Charles and struggle a little bit in this game with that. I think right now people are kind of sleeping on Samson Ebucom a little bit. I think Ebucom's going to have himself a big year, but <laughs> I love the takeaways because Jordan Willis had the two pressures early in that yeah. game. Drake Jackson had pressures that resulted in turnovers. turnovers. That interception by George Odom is because of Drake Jackson falling to the ground, having enough athletic ability to get up <laughs> and still push a guy into the quarterback. Man, it was absolutely fantastic. It I was. think those were two, uh standouts from that game and i think jordan willis needed that after what happened in green bay where he didn't really show up in a in a big way but overall i think you're right and so warren i'm going to ask you this it wasn't really something that i was prepared to ask but now that we know how good these edge rushers are playing do you think they're going to keep seven edge rushers on the outside
1: it's going to be tough man it's going to be tough especially i think it's going to come down to how the other positions pan out um I mean, to go into the season with seven edge rushers, it's like, OK, so where are you going to supplement in what other positions?
0: Yeah, I think if you have seven edge rushers, it means you keep four interior defensive linemen. Right. Uh, that would be Armstead, Givens, Kinlaw, Hassan Ridgway, uh, which I mean, I think those are the four obvious choices, especially with them already moving on from Kim, D- Kim Diche. Uh, they have Kevin Atkins, but I don't think he's uh, good enough to make this 53 man roster right now. Right. So if you go with that, you can play on the interior at Kerry Hyder Jr. Great. You can play, you know, all, we just talked Jordan Willis. Those guys can play inside. Plus, Charles Amenehu has ability to play inside in the defensive tackle spot. So I think that those are possibilities. You could also stash a Kevin Adkins or one of those guys on, this, on the uh, practice squad. If you had to, you could bring them up and elevate them in case you need them. But I'm thinking that might be the way to go. I don't know about you. I don't really want to let the NFL have any of these guys. No. I, I don't want Kamoko Teray ending up or Jordan Williams ending up in Seattle all I of a sudden. Uh, make them develop Boy mafia. Make them develop those guys. Uh, I don't. I don't want to see any of these edge rushers coming after the Niners. I really don't want any of them to end up with the Rams because the Rams need edge rush help.
1: Yeah, and I don't know what it is. It just seems like Seattle, they just keep an eye on whoever we release and they always go after them. So it, it's
0: a good move, right? <laughs> we can't draft well. We don't get good players. Right. They do a good job. Let's go take their guys, you know?
1: Right. <laughs> and I mean, knowing this regime, like Shanahan and Lynch, like, I think they probably will go in with seven into the regular season because, I mean, they, this is what they do. They bulk up the D line. Yeah. You know, I mean, Shanahan values pressure and the d-line so much and i mean you got to in today's league you know it's a passing league so you got to get after the quarterback you got to create havoc you got to be disruptive so just knowing how this regime is i do believe they'll probably go into the season with seven
0: right and i mean one of the things everyone always questions is the offensive line you know we need to make a good offensive line well one way to make it easier on trey lance to have a pass rush because then if you have that outstanding defense it gives him more opportunities he may not be successful as many times on as many drives as Jimmy Garoppolo, but True. if you give him more opportunities, he might end up actually scoring more points. That could be the way they go. Absolutely. But if since we're talking about D-line, we have to talk about this, and I titled it this way for this reason. He was crazy outrageous. Javon freaking Kinlaw, uh, the game that he had against the Vikings was great. The dancing, I mean, he was just doing the thing. I thought it was nice to see and We're probably not going to see him against Houston, from what Kyle Shannon said, they wanted to get him in the reps because they're worried about the travel, the right. airplane, all that. It makes sense to me. So <laughs> Kinlaw though shows out. How exciting was it to see Kinlaw? And are you excited about what he can do in the regular season?
1: Man, we talked about it last week, yeah. and I'm I'm very excited about Kinlaw. Like just how he came into camp, like super in shape, looking like a Greek goddess, like he's primed for a big year, yeah. you know? So I'm super happy for him. I seen an interview with him a couple of days ago, and he was just – he was talking about how he first came into the league and, you know, it's hard with all the nuances of the NFL. Like, you're not really dealing with that at South Carolina when he was in, when he was in college. Yeah. And so he said, like, he really – you know, the, the fun of the game was taken away from him. And so – and he was also playing in pain. Yeah. You know, the guy That'll do it. Constantly having a swelling in his knees. And, I mean, when you're that big, you're – I mean, you're not – your joints – they don't know how to handle a man that's that big. You know what I mean? So now that, um, you know, he's healthy, he looks like he's having fun. You know, he looks like the guy that, you know, we spent a first-round draft pick on. So to see how he looked uh, against Minnesota the, the last preseason game, if you're a Niner fan, I don't know how you're not excited.
0: Yeah, and, you know, D'Amico Rhines has been walking by him at practice every single day and saying technique, technique, technique. And then he gets in there, and he has that opportunity for a sack, and the technique is ball. Yes. Uh, he gets a club rip <laughs> move that is, I mean, fantastic, but the initial hands-on uh, gets separation then puts it together. That's what you want from an interior defensive lineman. It was given me, as far as technique goes, early Eric Armstead vibes, and Armstead's been a technician since he was working with Buckner and everything. Right. To me, the fact that Kinlaw as putting together those moves is good because he was just a power guy, right? right. He was a guy, Chris Kacarek didn't let do those moves. He was like, no, just push the guy back into the quarterback. <laughs> just, you know, collapse that pocket. Now he's going to be allowed to do that. I think that's going to be tremendous because it does free up the four yards then to keep seven edge rushers because uh, Javon Kinlaw can do it on all three downs as well. Right. I'm, I'm excited about Kinlaw overall, and I've been excited about him anyways, but the fact that he's healthy, he's running around, he's excited. Uh, you can tell there's a huge weight off the guy's shoulders absolutely uh, and i think he's about to go out there and and prove, some, prove to some people exactly who he is and what he's about uh Kinlaw's going to be nasty could be maybe we get some interior uh pressure from that nose tackle spot EJ Jones in a little bit different way but if Kinlaw can cause any sort of sack uh pressure I know we've we've had Paul. He watches the show all the time. He said five and a half sacks for Kinlaw. Right. Uh, five and a half sacks from Kinlaw would be absolutely fantastic.
1: I'll take it. I mean, if we could get that pressure up the middle like we like we did in the past with Buckner, I mean, we've seen how sky's the limit for that defense. I mean, that defense pretty much took us to the Super Bowl. Yeah. So if we could get that from Kinlaw, because we know how he's going to be a run support. You know, like I don't really worry about him in run support. If he puts the the full package together, and we could get, um. A lead pass rusher, rusher out of him like like we have with Buckner. I don't know. I mean, if he'll he'll be as good as Buckner. Buckner's I mean, it's a hard. technician. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 hard. I mean, Buckner is probably one of the best that does it in the league. I agree. I mean, behind Donald. Darn- but um, if we could get something like that from Kinlaw. Man, this defense is just going to be so nasty.
0: Yeah, and one thing he's really going to add, I know we, we, we've we been highlighting the pass rush because of what he did and getting that sack, and that's something we hadn't saw from Kinlaw. Absolutely. But him and Eric Armstead being able to stop the run on early downs and also keeping offensive linemen off of all-pro Fred, Greg Greenlaw, and Zizal Shire in the run game is going to be pivotal. Uh, if those guys can stop the run on early downs and pause third and long, third and six, third and seven – that means Nick Bosa is going to have more opportunities for sacks, and the secondary is going to have more opportunities to make plays. I'm excited about that overall. That's how you go from being, you know, a top ten defense in the league to a overall best defense in the league, and Kinlaw could be a big reason why. And then we can finally stop hearing the "We should have took Christian Wirfs because <laughs> Javon Kinlaw's making big time plays."
1: <laughs> no, I think Kinlaw. He's going to have a huge season. I think he's prime. He came. He came into this camp in shape, ready, like. I'm excited to see what he does this year. I think he's going to have a huge year.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. And another guy that could be poised for a big year is Diamantr Lenore. Uh, (laughs) Diamantr Lenore had question marks, of course, coming in because Omri Thomas was the guy that asserted himself after Demo started so hot last year. And then it was like, okay, Omri's our guy. But then come in, Diamantr Lenore outplayed him every single day at training camp. I know I was there. It was every (laughs) single day. But yet we would never get Demo to play in the nickel. They never did it. Uh, but once Denard was gone, all of a sudden, Diamond Lenore played in the nickel. And I thought he did a fantastic job. Could that versatility actually be the reason that Den- that uh, D- Demo is now on the 53-man roster?
1: I think you might be onto something there. Because, I mean, if you look at his body type, to me, he has more of the body type to play the nickel position than out wide. I agree. At the, corner, at the, the wide corner position. Um. Me, I'm biased. I mean, I I have a soft spot for Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to give up on a kid yet. I'm with I don't, you. I don't want to give up on him because so last year, going into the year, he was struggling. Yeah. You know, he was shrug- struggling mightily, and Diomedor was he was outplaying him last year. Um, I think Ambry is a type of player that gets better in 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 the fire when real bullets is flying. I think that's when he gets better. You know. Um, when we inserted him, we were dealing with the whole injury situation last year at corner, he was struggling and he got better as the season progressed. I agree. Um, the was kind of the opposite. You know, he started off the season hot, like, you know, he pretty much earned his position while he was out there. And then towards the season went on, he kind of faded, you know? So this is the reason why I really don't want to give up on Amber yet, but it, it's reached a boiling point where he might not make the roster.
0: Yeah, I, I think, you know, Omri's dealing with a little bit of an injury as well. That's hurting him. He didn't get to get out there in this game and get reps. I think he's hopefully going to get out there against Houston. I think it's important for him. Yeah. Now, I don't think the 49ers are ready to move on from Omri Thomas, and I think because some of the moves that they've made uh, signal that they're probably going to keep him, and I think that they're going to keep, as a sixth guy, Dante Johnson. So I think they're going to keep uh, – Brett going to a pup definitely helps. You keep Emmanuel Mosley, Charvarius Ward, of course, Sam Womack, who's yes. just been so impressive. <laughs> then De'Amer, Lenore, Ombré Thomas, and Dante Johnson. I think those are the six corners you keep. Uh, I think they can get Quantrez Knight to the practice squad, which I think they would really love to do. And then, of course, Kadar Holman, uh, King Crowley, you guys you know, end up finding another spot. Maybe Holman ends up on the Niners practice squad as well. But I think that Lenore has looked better this year than he even looked last year. <clears throat> um, Ombré Thomas' struggles in zone coverage are well-documented. But... When he's asked to play man, he doesn't exactly come up and play a strong press man coverage either. He often plays soft. I think that he has maybe a preparation problem because I, I can't speak for sure. Um, <laughs> but you know, he was coming out, You know, he hadn't played all at all in 2020 because yeah, of COVID. Yeah. He comes into 2021, so you kind of expect a rookie to have to have that you know issue of getting prepared. But then you would think that he would have prepared all offseason and came back. But it feels like he's having that same slow start. Right. So I'm wondering if it's a preparation problem. This is something that Kyle Shanahan potentially threw Brandon Ayuk inside the the doghouse last year right, for. Right. It was that off preparation issue? So maybe Ombre Thomas will come out, come on as the season progresses. But I think, in all reality, as a someone that watches this team, I hope Ombre Thomas doesn't have to take very many snaps. I hope it's Emmanuel Mosley, <laughs> Tarvarius Ward, Samuel Womack and Jason freaking Verrett. I hope those are the guys that man the cornerback positions all year long. And Aubrey Thomas is there in case the Niners get up big right. or they, you know, they have an injury or something. They need him. Cause I do think he needs another season to develop.
1: I agree. Cause all the film I've seen, he was, he was trailing, he was chasing and balls was going over his head and it, it just wasn't looking good for him, you know? And I, I do agree with you. I think it might be a preparation issue. Um, Part of it, is, I, I think it is. I think it's a confidence issue as well. Because I mean, when you're playing corner, I'm about ninety percent of it. I mean, you got to be athletic. You got to be one yeah. of the most athletic people on the field to play the position. But you got, also got to have the confidence yeah. that this guy I'm lining up across, he's not better than me. I'm gonna shut him down. And that, I'm not seeing that from Ambry. When like when he when I see him in coverage, I'm like, he just looks beat from the get. Like his whole body language, and it's so weird for me because you know I'm a big Michigan fan. And When he was yeah. at Michigan, he wore the number one and. You know, not too many people get that number. He would come down. He had he had the swag, and he would come down in coverage and man up. And he wasn't getting he wasn't getting beat like how I see, how I see him getting beat in the league. Yeah, and I'm just like, this is not the same dude I watched for three years. You know, so I definitely think it's it's a preparation issue and it's confidence. So yeah,
0: it, you know, it, it's it's crazy because uh, it kind of reminds me of a killer Witherspoon. Right uh, when Spoon was confident, dude was legit yes and when he was lacking in confidence you could tell he just didn't play right his body language was off and i think ombre thomas has kind of fallen into that i think they're completely different skill set wise and things. but um overall i mean yeah length and whatnot but ombre thomas i think part of the problem is i mean a lot of people maybe don't know from watching you know they haven't watched the film back but that game against dallas i mean even the nfc championship game there are plays that ombre thomas doesn't get blamed for that jaquiski tart takes the blame for that are on Thomas for not sagging in coverage. And I think he knows that, and the coaches know that, and maybe that's a reason why he's struggling a little bit with some right, of that stuff. Right, Because he does. I mean, those are young player issues, though. Uh, I don't think that he can't overcome this. I don't think he can't still become a good player. I think he can. Yeah. In fact, when I did my uh, my locks to make the roster, he was one I picked. <laughs> I picked Mosley, Carverius Ward, and Ombry Thomas. Right. I just think he's an absolute lock. I still think he's going to develop. I think he will make an impact on this team. But I would really love, after last year getting thrown to the fire, for him to be able to completely develop behind these other guys. Go yeah. we'll watch Tarvarius Ward for a while. The right. only issue is he's probably slated to start next year. So he's <laughs> got to be ready because are they going to be able to pay Mosley? Paying him $6.5 If he has the year <laughs> that I think he's going to have, probably going to be double digits next right. year. Which means, Ombry Thomas, you either step up, or somebody else will step up. Right. I was Crazy. I was gonna touch
1: on that a little bit because I mean payday's coming up for Emmanuel Moses. It is so Ambry they need Ambry to show up and show up in a big way. Yeah. So I mean this is this is it for him. I mean, show us what you can do. I mean, he has the measurable, measurables, he has the talent. I mean, he's just gotta put it all together.
0: He really does, you know. <clears throat> let's see if we get to see it against the Texans, if he's healthy. Hopefully he can go. But Warren, 49ers versus Texans. The starters are going to be back. Kyle Shanahan referred to the fact he has, doesn't know exactly how much they'll play. Uh, they won't play more than a half. So somewhere in that area, I think it'll be different for different players. Probably Trent Williams a little bit if he plays at all. Nick Bosa probably won't play at all. But then we'll probably see some of these guys, maybe uh, even the quarterback Trey Lance playing into the second quarter, which could be nice. Um, uh, what are you most excited to see about this game versus the Texans?
1: So we we touched on it a little bit last week. The running back room. Yeah. So I. To me, it got so much more intriguing last week. <laughs> yeah. With the way Jordan Mason, the show he put on, like, I think he was the highest rated running back um uh, in preseason, I believe.
0: Yeah, 93.8 yeah. grade, Yeah.
1: So he went, he went absolutely crazy. You know, like, like I said, the way he was running, finishing runs, like he looked like a Shanahan running back. Um, Trey Sermon, he really didn't have a great day. No. <laughs> he didn't have he didn't he didn't have a great day. I mean, simply put. And then Jermichael Hasey, I like Jermichael Hasey. Yeah. I, I feel like he's, he's consistent, he's solid, and you know what you're going to get from him. Um, I feel like the locks for the running backs, I would say it's Mitchell, Wilson, and Ty Davis-Price. Yeah. Ty Davis-Price, he he started rough, but I feel like he finished He finished like a running back like he I won agree. on this roster. Um, I Trey Sermon, I give him... The reason why I say he's tied, because I like the game I've seen from him against Green Bay. Yeah. This game in Minnesota, he didn't have his he didn't have a great outing, I, I must admit. But what I seen from him in Green Bay was enough to get to this Houston game. Now I have all three of them tied, and let's say hypothetically they're going to take what four running backs into the season. Yeah, I think whoever has the best game is going to be that fourth running back in this Houston game. Now, coming off that the, the Minnesota game, to me, I mean Jordan Mason, like how do you not keep this guy in the roster? I mean, what what he displayed that it was just dude looks like a starting running back in the league. I know it's against guys that may not make a roster yeah. or it may not be on the team next week, but the dude looked good, man. He was he looked dynamic.
0: Yeah, I I thought that Jordan Mason had himself a really good game. I right. thought, in fact, every carry was a good carry. He made uh, decisive moves. He got vertical. He finished physically. You know, do I think there's areas he needs to work on? Yes. I think it's very akin to what we saw from Elijah Mitchell last year where they're so worried about making that necessary vertical run that they lose the second-level part. Mm -hmm. Uh, When they get to the second level, they just want to be physical and run someone over. It's like, no, now be elusive and go get you an extra 5 to 10 yards. I think that's something we can see from Jordan Mason. But we've seen the 49ers value that from Elijah Mitchell last year, knowing Anthony Lane can continue to develop him. I think Mason put himself firmly in that conversation, which before that I thought, He might be able to get him to the practice squad, but now there's absolutely no way he can get to the practice squad. (laughs) Pete Carroll already (laughs) threw in three extra pieces of gum. He's (laughs) chomping at the bit to get this guy because Chris Carson's probably or Chris Carson's gone. They need a guy. True. Um. So I think that right now Mason's in the in the middle of it, and the questions are: What do you want? Do you want a third down back like Jamichael Hasty? Um, I think right now Trey Sermon is the sixth guy in the room. I think he fell that far. Oh man! Um, for the mere fact the other guys look explosive, uh, and when it comes down to it, I don't care if you're a third round pick <laughs> at this point. The other guys are just playing better than you. Uh, Jamichael Hasty's chance to make it his third down back. But if Kyle Shanahan looks at the film and goes, you know what? Uh, and he talked a little bit about it. What Mason ran that? I'm sorry, uh, J. Michael Hasty ran that circle route, caught the touchdown. He said Jeff Wilson Jr. could do that too. So if he looks at it and says, you know what, Jeff Wilson Jr. and Elijah Mitchell can do the role of Jermichael Hastie, it could be Sayonara and Jermichael Hastie. And Jordan Mason might be in a dead stare down with uh, Trey Sermon and just be like, you know what, I'm just a little bit bigger, I'm a little bit faster, and I read holes more decisively than you. And if that happens, we could get a Mason pairing with this group. I think overall, from what I've seen through two games, that makes the most sense. From what I've seen through training camp, though, that doesn't make the most sense because I thought Trey Sermon had a good one. I think you're right. Houston Texans game ends up deciding a lot of what happens in this room. Will we get to see a Jordan Mason run behind a first-team 49ers offensive line? I would love to see that because Ty Davis Price and Jordan Mason got the best holes of the entire running back group. (laughs) So Michael Hasey created holes. I thought he did a really good job of his jump cuts. And then Trey Sermon just had little holes. Right. Um, th- those are plays that Elijah Mitchell would have got positive yards on. I-, I completely agree with what everyone's been breaking down. But one of the most intriguing rooms, and I think the most competitive room on the entire 49ers def- or offense, uh, maybe even an entire team.
1: I, I agree with you, man. It's, it's going to be super intriguing to see how this pans out. I mean, the- just the point that you brought up, Jordan Mason, will we be able to see him with, with the first team offensive line? Yeah. I mean, that would be so fascinating to see. You know, because I mean, we see them pretty much playing with the threes and how just how he put on the show with the threes. You know, I I would love to see if that will translate with the ones, you know, like we don't know if it will or not.
0: Yeah, I think a couple of things to watch that could give us an idea is if Jeff Wilson Jr. plays, which I think he could. um, Let's see if he starts the game. I think he will start the game with that first unit. But then when it gets to third down, if it's third and short, do they bring in TDP or do they bring in Jordan Mason? Uh, to be the short yardage guy that's number one number two if it's third and medium is it joe michael hasty that comes in to play that third down back or do they go ahead and throw jeff wilson jr in there right i think getting an idea of how they're using these guys because right now every third and medium to long is to michael hasty right and every short yardage situation has been tdp i think we can start seeing if there's a real competition and one of these guys might not make it if kyle Shannon starts flipping the script on some of the roles of these running backs I'm really excited to see how he ends up using these guys in this game.
1: We'll see another aspect that we're not even really discussing is is Debo Samuel. Yeah. Because during during the season, once once we get to real football, he's gonna be getting carries. Yeah. I, I mean the guy is too much of a weapon not to get carries in the backfield. So I mean, who's he gonna be taking from? I mean, cause we know Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson Jr., they're okay. They're yeah. gonna get their carries, but I mean, De- I mean Debo's just too much of an elite athlete not to get carries. So is he taking from Ty Davis Price? You know, is he taking uh, from Jordan Mason? I mean, where's, you know, where's he carries coming from?
0: Yeah, I, that that's a good point. You know, and I think <clears throat> one of the things that Kyle Shanahan has went to do with building this room was making sure they can convert on third and short, fourth and short. Uh, he had to use Debo to do that last year. I mean, Debo was the closer in these football he games. Was, he was. I think he doesn't want Debo to have to do that. So that's why you have Ty Davis-Price and Jordan Mason. I think PDP's role in this offense this year is a short yardage back who could eventually develop into the replacement for Jeff Wilson jr. As he continues to develop. But I think that you're still going to want Debo to have explosive plays. I wonder how much though this year is less about Debo carrying the ball and how much of it is about window dressing, getting everyone to watch him. Hmm. Uh, so that way you can run <laughs> other things off of that. And then also a little something they did in the playoffs last year, especially in the green Bay game was using Debo Samuel as a third down back occasionally to get matched up on linebackers and safeties that all of a sudden it becomes a matchup problem because he's going to win in any of those Absolutely. situations. So I think Kyle Shannon kind of plucking these guys into certain situations and roles, I think could actually give him a benefit. And I think that's where we see kind of the shift in what Debo Samuel does. I just don't think there's going to be as many carries, even though, man, he's explosive when he gets the ball. So I kind of want the right. ball in his hand whenever I can.
1: <laughs> I do too. But remember, he got incentives in his contract. He does. So, so we may see him. He might not carry it too much Yeah, like he did last year, but... Um I mean, we all want to see the ball in the guy's hands. I mean, it's absolutely special what he could do with the ball in his hands. So I'll,
0: I'll tell you right now, if it gets to the fourth quarter and you need a big play, Debo Samuel is going to be in the backfield. If we get to the playoffs and you need to ride Debo Samuel for 20 carries, they're to ride him for 20 carries because <laughs> uh, he's one of the best players in the league. And absolutely. when it comes down to it, he's that guy too. He wants the ball in those right. situations. and I think you know, it's kind of like the replacements movie, uh, you know, I want the ball. The good ones always do, you know. Right. And Debo wants it, and I think Kyle knows that. And when those moments happen, he's gonna get him the ball.
1: Right. Just don't. Just don't be get caught being like Pete Carroll <laughs> when Reggie Bush was on the <laughs> sideline against Texas on fourth and one. So
0: you don't give it to Lyndon White. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. If you turn around and it's 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 fourth and one for the whole show, and you got Debo and TDP standing there, give the ball to Debo.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Or
0: make them think you're going to give it to Debo and you do something else. That
1: too. That too. Uh,
0: as long as Trent Williams is leading the way, I'm okay with it.
1: I'm, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> uh,
0: what a great episode, Warren. A fantastic episode of cover too. I hope you all enjoyed it as well. If you did enjoy it, go ahead and give this video a like, uh, comment, subscribe. If you got something that you want to talk to us about, leave it in the comment section. I think we'll, re- we'll really enjoy reading it and then we'll get into it as well. Uh, thanks everyone so much for tuning in. and uh, Warren, I can't wait for the next one. It's going to be exciting.
1: Can't wait. Real football is right around the corner. Can't Real wait. football
0: <laughs> is almost here. So the next time you see us, not only are we going to be talking about who made the 53-man roster for the 49ers, oh, getting geared up for Justin Fields and the Bears.
1: Chicago Bears. The Bears. And the clock.
0: Yeah, get, get this thing going. I can't wait. Let's go. Thanks, everyone, for watching. We'll catch you on the next one.